podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to week 35 of the Foot Weekly Podcast. This is a gameplay episode and I'm joined, as I pretty much always am, by foot legend Air Japes. Welcome back. Thank you much, Ben. Happy to be back and chatting. Hoping to uh, get some meaty tips this week to improve my own gameplay, which is admittedly struggling at the moment, Ben. Mm. It's a rough run of it. Even with the uh, team of the season and Bundesliga players you were enthusiastic about on that supporter content podcast this week, Uh, an early plug for that actually, and that 36,000 fifth point giveaway, just search support foot weekly. But yeah, normally James, top NA player on this podcast, but it's different this week because we have an NA champion on this episode. Delighted to welcome DC United pro King CJO. Hello CJ, welcome. Greetings everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. Alongside two very, very well-known people in the scene. Oh, thank you. I mean, that does apply to Japes. I'm not sure about myself, but I'll take it. And uh, <laughs> we'll uh, start off. Actually, it'd be interesting to know, you've never been on the podcast before. Um, just a bit of an introduction, I guess. Who is your favorite player from foot you look back on with nostalgia thinking, oh, yeah, that was a good time? I'm going to go quite far back. Probably... FIFA 17, FIFA 18, I don't remember which title it was, but it has to be that player of the month, Suarez. Ah. That striker card was very, very good. Barcelona, I don't know if you guys remember. Yeah, yeah, I do. That, that, that's not someone that I would expect to get mentioned, though. I mean, it's quite a, a niche one, almost. I'm just sitting over here feeling old, thinking... 2017 FIFA is far back. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. That was the, uh, the first year of champs, wasn't it? FIFA 17, yeah. which still, to me, feels quite new. And how did you become a pro? I mean, it, it, you are playing professionally for DC United alongside studying, right, as well. So how that kick started was I grew up in Johannesburg, South Africa. So my entire life, I've basically lived there with my family All right. until... Obviously, my older brother moved to the U.S. Um, he obviously used to be with us there. He moved for the studies. And I saw him getting to like professional FIFA in this side in the U.S. Started competing. There was a few events back then, like Gfinity and stuff like that. Mm. So he got into that. And obviously, as every young brother does, he's like, okay, this looks, this looks kind of cool. I would like to <laughs> give, give myself a shot. Started playing. For champs, uh, the division back then mm. it was pretty competitive. Once you get to division one, it was it was quite quite a struggle. Mm-hmm. So I just got better and better, and one thing led to the other. I finished school there, moved to the U.S. as well, and got picked up. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Actually, I heard somewhere that you would have almost maybe gone professional at football itself. That was earlier, like earlier than when I was younger. Okay. Um, so it was something called uh, the district in South Africa where like, I don't know if you guys know, are familiar with Orlando Pirates. Yeah. You have to be with the kid. So I used to play for a club where when you get at a certain age, they start selecting the best players in the country. Mm. And I just got selected into that. But unfortunately, my parents said, nope, you're going to finish school. You're not doing anything about soccer. Don't think about that. Just focus on school. And FIFA, FIFA was the next best thing, I guess. 
that could replace that kind of passion. Yeah, and there was certainly passion on display when I faced you in champs a week or two ago. I, uh, <laughs> I, I was like, I thought I could try and get something good out of losing my game for 16 wins during Prem Tots weekend. So it's worked out okay at the end, but at the time I wasn't, I wasn't too pleased. I saw your name come up and I was like, ah, oh, damn. Um, although I almost scored, I don't know whether you remember the game, but I almost scored in the first minute um, from a cutback. Um, and if I had, maybe, maybe it would have been a little bit different. I don't think ben, so. I'm here to tell you that's not how it works when you play. For yeah, a no, no, it's no. Like, it's not, you can score the, you can score the kickoff goal if you want. And that'll be the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we can talk about some of the things that I picked up from that match, actually, uh, perhaps now. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing is tactics-wise. I noticed in that game, at least, you weren't playing a five at the back, which, as you said, is the meta mm-hmm. at the pro level. And you do play that competitively, right? So do you just like to play something different when you're playing slightly more casually, I suppose? It's just about having fun. Mm. I feel like the five back forces you to play a certain style. Mm. You don't have a lot of op- options going forward. So you're basically relying on you triggering runs, triggering your left mid, playing the ball to your striker, waiting that your left mid breaks that last line, and then you play him in behind. Like that's the the pro meta way to play. And weekly guys, I always want to play like four three two one or even four four two. Different formations. A formation that allows me to actually like play soccer. Do skill moves. <laughs> or do, yeah, exactly. Play soccer, exactly. Do skill moves. Create uh different waves of scoring that's how i want to play in weekend league if i was to play five for one in weekend league, it would drive me mad mm. just being just being serious right now yeah i guess for me as someone who who prefers to like stay aggressive for the majority like in that and that means like without the ball as well as with the ball and i i just like i have success when i play the five for one i just like kind of hate myself <laughs> like, while I'm doing it the mm-hmm. whole time. Like I just find it, I find it really dull to just like, mm-hmm. you don't ever, like the move is to not like rarely pull players out of position too. Literally. And you just like let your back line sit. And I mean, three backs function this way too once they get set up. But you just sort of like let mm-hmm. them sit compacted in and then your whole goal is to play off the counter. Like, and it's just really like it's dull to me. I, I, I like I'm I'm I, Ben. You you've obviously heard me have struggles with like FIFA before, where I'm you know like a philosophical conflict with the game or whatever it might be, or just in like a rut or a lull. But this is one where I'm like, uh, they've got to do something, and I don't think that the toolkit <laughs> is there for this year's FIFA to be able to actually improve this. So I think that's this is just mm-hmm. the state of the game right now. And, you know, I guess we're fingers crossed that with the name change next year, it'll mm. like magically improve, maybe. Yeah, it's all about balancing, isn't it? And I feel like we've talked about this on the podcast quite a few times, so we don't want to go into it too much. We've got other things we can talk about. But, you know, we were saying actually this year's game has less like things like the bridge or the, those like really annoying specific skill moves or skill whatever moves, directionals and stuff. directional nutmegs yeah skill cancel lacroquetta was yeah skill cancels lacroquettas those kind of things there were there were some stuff which was so clearly broken and this year it's a little bit more ambiguous but i think the thing that often comes up right is the first time through balls and i noticed you, you certainly played a few against me uh, in that game right <laughs> is that the main thing you'd point to or is there anything else that you think is like really really 
a problem. You guys were mentioning the croquetta cancels, the directional nun makes, but is this better than that? Like, for example, this meta, for example, five players at the back, rather have something like a croquetta cancel or a directional nun make to counter it than mm. just being here and waiting till your moment comes. This is why people only play for first time through balls. They play for first time through balls because they know there's consistency in creating that chance and there's consistency in getting you in a 1v1 with the keeper, mm. which is why people abuse it. Yeah, yeah. Another one, German cross. A German cross where you trigger your center mid, you run on the byline, wait till the center mid or anyone breaks that last line and just send in a cross and you power ball the header into the goal. Like Stuff like that wouldn't be so prominent if we had different ways and different tools to counter the metas we're facing. One of the things that I, I always think is like interesting is we, you know, the meta evolves over the course of the year as higher rated players are put into the game. Like what is the pro level perspective on, you know, obviously we're talking a lot about five back, which means defensive AI is like pretty strong. What is the like pro level perspective on uh, AI utilization from, I suppose, like a, a defensive standpoint? Because we're talking a lot about mechanics in the game that create consistent high quality chances. Mm -hmm. And it seems like all of that is predicated on the defensive AI not being able to, not knowing what to do with just those specific things. So I'm curious, like, how, how you think about uh, the defensive AI and relative to like manual control or manual defending? So the way I could answer this question is basically by comparing it to previous years. I feel, I feel like the AI was stronger in 22, 21. Like those random AI blocks, I think those happened a whole lot more in those previous titles. Hmm. This year, the AI isn't as strong, in my opinion. It's not the AI the problem. The problem is that there's so many bodies behind that at a certain point, whether the opponent is holding second man press or just waiting till the right moment to switch to the right player, it just makes it harder because he's crowding this, the area. That's the only reason why it, it's very annoying to play these formations. It's not the AI that's particularly too strong. It's the way that the players are told to come back to their positions, come back on defense, right back, come back on defense, left wing back, come back on defense, right wing back, come back on defense. It just closes the space. So people have to rely in different ways. For example, if I'm playing a 5-4-1 and I'm struggling, I'm going to say a fire fair play. I'm going to give you the ball. I'm going to trigger one of my players and try and get you on the counter. That's the only way when your team is up. Because if you're sitting back, it's, it's a problem. That's... Interesting then, because it kind of sounds like the problem is the meta more than the game itself to some extent. Do you know what I mean? Like, because you could play that mm -hmm. way if you wanted to last cycle or the year before, but people didn't play that way. So, what is the reason for it being so popular this year compared to previous? It's a tough one. It's a tough one because, like, last year we, we obviously had a different version to the five back. I feel like every game cycle, we start off good, people playing regular formations, 4-2-3-1, 4-4-2, all that stuff. But every time, once we get to the middle cycle of the game, after Team of the Year, 
um, all that stuff, people start figuring out formation like the 3-5-2 last year, the 5-back this year, the 3-4-2 on this year. Um, people figure out formations where you can get as many bodies behind and attack with seven players. Mm. That's the biggest issue. Being able to attack with seven players and defend with your whole team, that doesn't balance out the game. And at a certain point, your team needs to be tired if that happens. That has to be a counter, a counter to these uh, tough formations, I feel. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, I was actually saying that last week that it is about... The, th- the thing that makes a tactic OP is essentially how many players you can have in attack without it being detrimental to your defensive exactly. shape. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where maybe something about the way the game has been coded in terms of those five-back formations and three-back to an extent has just made that more effective than it has been in previous years. And yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe there should be some kind of big stamina punishment, but then there's like five subs, isn't there? So it, it is tricky in, in that sense to balance it. In my opinion, the best way, that's just my opinion. Obviously, the game does probably think about it more than I do. My opinion, the best way to counteract these formations is by changing the instructions. If you were to change the instructions, for example, the left mid and order right mid not being able to come back on defense, I think that would help so much just by removing that option personally. I feel like the the feedback to the development team or the gameplay team at EA has definitely been given that there need to be like instructions need to be improved. Mm -hmm. Perhaps there needs to be like a greater variety of instructions to counteract. Like when you put all these players back on defense, there like I don't feel like there's a great set of instructions to like like truly like counteract it. Mm -hmm. And I think the you know the call out of like hey it's it's still a game like it should be fun. Like what's really weird to me is when you play someone with like a three back with wing backs or excuse me, a five back with wing backs versus like a three back with a left mid, right mid. If they have come back, like they sit in the exact same spot. Mm-hmm. It's literally the same. <laughs> it's just, and so I like I was I, have, I think I was actually talking to Hubert Ben mm. and he was playing like a three back. And I was like, dude, you're playing a five back. And he's like, I'm not playing a five back. I was like, you're playing a, like, <laughs> it's not that like you have come back on all the outside players. You've got a flat back five line sitting there. Like th- that's, that's ignore what the formation is called. If you have five players and they're the players closest to your keeper in a line. Yep. It's a five back formation mm. or it's a five back block. However you want to describe it. And as like a, the, there the way you might consider attacking that, like in in real football, is you might say, well, we can have players, you know, sit in, have opposing wing backs perhaps, or outside backs press up a little bit and send in what are deemed to be like kind of early crosses, mm-hmm. right? Because the outside mid or outside back can't press up on that, but you are disincentivized from playing that ball into the box because your team is just going to get hit on the counter exactly. in that instance. So, like, the the options there just don't, like, it just ends up not making sense. And part of me, part of me believes the, like, true challenge here is if you look at, like, real football, real soccer, the teams that are going to set up in a super defensive block and a five-back do not have, oftentimes, the level of attackers that they might in, when you see in, like, ultimate team. Mm-hmm. 
And so when those teams like are trying to like play out on the counter and run on the breaks, one, they're going to have a tougher time like collecting passes or like hitting the right passes to play on a break in that same way. And in FIFA, that just doesn't exist because you're playing the ball to Mbappe and (laughs) he's just going to run. You know what I mean? Like PSG plays a low block like that and like it oftentimes works, but even then it doesn't work to the same extent. Because like Messi and Neymar aren't tracking back, right? (laughs) Where you can make them track back in. FIFA uh, and and they're really good tacklers for some reason, <laughs> right? Like I'm I'm playing five back and my right wing back is Janola. He's yeah. literally the best defender I have. Mm. Yeah, that is a. I think that is another huge issue with with the Just game. Just listen, yeah. like listen to that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I like respect it for being what it is, but it, like if I'm putting myself in EA's shoes here, and I'm looking at my game and going. These guys seemingly, like the pro players, believe that using a player like Ginola in a position deemed to be a generally defensive position is like the most effective move. Like that, Mm. like something's not working appropriately with that formation. They did a patch in the summer last year, and I really hope they bring that forward uh, to somewhere where it's going to have more impacts, you know, during team of the season, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see some kind of gameplay change, but uh, candidly, Ben this year, my general belief would be that there's a lot of energy going towards EA sports FC and new features or addition. Like unless they're, unless the, unless the developers are saying we want to test something mm. ahead of next year. Yeah. Before we like to get confidence to put it in the game, unless they're saying that, I'm not counting any chickens because they're this, they have to come out with a game that is deemed not broken. Yeah. At the start, it has to be a like roaring success mm. off the bat so they can give a giant middle finger to FIFA. Yeah. Well, hopefully, and we'll be covering all build up to FC 24, as I'm sure it'll be called in yeah the not too distant future now uh, july is when we'll hear about it first but yeah we'll get into more gameplay tips for fifa 23 uh, right after this break hello listener if you'd like more foot weekly content this week then the supporter content episode is the place to go we talk about the bundesliga team of the season and you can also listen to plenty of the episodes if you fancy supporting over on the patron you get double the podcast content every week an extra episode and uh, yeah, it really keeps the podcast going. And at the moment, it's a great time to sign up because there is that 36,000 FIFA point giveaway, which, yeah, you have a pretty decent chance of winning compared to most giveaways, actually. So check that out if you would like to. Just type in bit.ly slash TOTS in capitals 23. Or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast or just search support for weekly. It really does make a huge difference. It keeps the podcast going. And, uh, you know, there used to be a time when the Foot Weekly podcast couldn't be done weekly. And now it can, in fact, twice weekly for supporters. If you are one of those supporters, a huge thank you for supporting. And if you're considering it, a huge thank you too. Right, let's get back into the podcast with part two. Hello, welcome back to part two. We're going to be getting into some gameplay tips here. And just leading on from what we were talking about before, one of the things that I would say is notable is that the attacking AI is 
stronger when you're countering than when your opponent is set up and you can create those one-on-one opportunities. Finishing them, though, can be difficult. And I wondered whether you yourself, CJ, had any particular tips for people finishing one-on-one situations because it's something people ask about quite a lot. I'll be honest, even I struggle with 1v1s to show how hard it Mm. is. In competitive games, or in the name in general, people say I create so much. I create so much, but I miss half of my chances. I feel like this year, the way the keeper moves is so weird. He's so fast off his line. Mm. He can move left, right. So you have to basically take a gamble. All right, I think he's going to move. Let me shoot near post. I think he's going to stay. Let me shoot far post. So what I've been told to do is low driven. And that's what I've been doing lately. And it's actually working. Mm. Just tap tap the, the circle button. Just tap it. When you get in a one-to-one situation, it's like the keeper has a weird animation where he cannot get to it. Mm. Unless he has the save with feet trait, which only a few have. Yeah, yeah. That is good. So in those situations, are you like shooting across the keeper for the low driven or can you do net post too? Does it not really matter? You can do both. Like mm. there's certain situations where like obviously your body's opened up to shoot far post. Um, so you can tap it, it goes far post, but at the same time, your opponent might move his keeper. Mm. So if you move his keeper, you tap in your post, he basically cannot get to it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And actually, I mean, I guess the other one is Japes, your special. Yeah. I mean, it, chip. It, is, it is working pretty well, right? No, it does. It does work. The chip does work. I don't do it much for some reason, but I need to get back to it, actually. Mm. I just rely on greening my shots like in my head the way it's computed in my head once you get into those positions and you green it this just shouldn't be a world where the player misses the target or mm. does not end at the back of the net yeah it is pretty consistent this year isn't it green timing though i mean i feel like it's actually something that people do consistently now whereas in previous years actually it wasn't something people necessarily were bothering with um, whereas you do well actually at the pro level I guess it's always been worth that extra margin just squeezing out that small advantage but I think a lot more committed players who play the game not at a pro level do tend to green their shots and I always give it a go like because if you're late it doesn't really matter so I always try and time every right. shot but you know it doesn't always happen but yeah uh, some of the very very good players I've played are definitely green timing pretty much everything and you can in one-on-ones can't you uh, just power shot green time and if they haven't brought the keeper out too far, I think it works. Power shots, um, that's something I've been actually incorporating in my gameplay. I've been doing it a lot, like just casually and fun, mm. because I've seen people get success with it. Yeah. They they do it from super far. They do it after a rainbow flick. Like we're now we're entering <laughs> another discussions of broken oh, mechanics. The power mm. shot on the rainbow yeah. flick is like actually kind of gross, but it's <laughs> <laughs> what I was about to say you know uh, we should give props because power shot I think is a good mechanic added this year um, but yeah it can also be exploited like I feel it gets that extra percentage for example let's say power shot it's all manual so you are the say you have your own destiny at, at your hands so when he does a rainbow flick I kid you not I think the percentage just increases for it to hit the target and to fly in the back of the net mm. I'm I, I have tested it and I'm like, I feel like the rainbow flick or anything that gives it an animation in the air gives it a consistent uh, shot on the target. The only story that I have with that is I had it done to me at one point and I was like, well, that's broken. And I promptly went down 
and executed the exact same mechanic and scored a goal and was like, <laughs> okay, this is like, do I incorporate this into my game? Now I tried it a few more times and once someone knows it's coming, it's a lot harder to execute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And in terms of other bits of advice, I was interested to know because we had a question here about it. Uh, have saying we're in the season of fine margins and wonder if the gameplay pod have any good penalty shootout tips. For example, I've noticed people tend to repeat their first penalty direction uh, slash technique in their last penalty, which could be a psychological thing. Is there anything else people use to gain an edge there? Uh, I definitely agree with that. It's something that I try and do is when there's an important penalty for your opponent, if you remember their first penalty they did, in fact, it may have been the one they did, you know, if they got a penalty during the game as well, uh, if you can try and save that penalty, you tend to be able to have some success or, or certainly a higher chance of success compared to just doing whatever. I guess penalties are something that can decide competitive matches, CJ. I mean, it's a tough way for it to happen, but you must know a few little tips and tricks from that. I've been in my own share of penalty shootouts. Yeah. Like, life-defining moments even well we're, we're played in uh penalty shootouts so one of the tips i would give personally i use a random number generator huh. i use a generator that gives me three numbers one two three one being left two being the middle and three being the right side mm. so whichever number the generator gives me i fully back it because it gives you a different pattern. If you go by your own accord, you have a favorite side. And naturally, you tend to go on your favorite side, for example, for the game deciding pen, or when there's pressure, like you, you just saved the one you have to score. Normally, you go towards your natural side. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do when I take pens. Now, shooting pens, no, no, like saving pens is different. Um, obviously, you have to read your opponent. I like to go left to right, like bait him a bit, like sit, like sit right, wait for him to get the run up, get back into the middle, dive right again, like just mind games to try mm. and get into your opponent's head. But yeah, I think saving is completely up to your feeling and how lucky you are to be fair. Cause this year it doesn't take too much skill. This core pen, you just have to put three bars, make sure the, the circle is close to the ball and, you know, let it, let it ride. Yeah, and you think really there are only three ways you can shoot a penalty essentially this cycle, which I find, yeah, very weird, but it is true, isn't it? Yeah, it's three ways. Either you chip it down the middle, chip it left, chip it right, or shoot power shots like middle, left, or right. There's no different way to shoot it. Yeah, and then what about you, James? Any recommendations or perhaps you don't want to share because Hubert might be listening. <laughs> no, I, I, I would say I like just debate when I should like my only thing that I think about on penalties is like when I should try to go down the middle. Mm. I guess I look at if my opponent is like shuffling all over the line, going back and forth, like I feel like chances are they're going to dive one way or the other. So I'm more inclined to go down the middle if I see a po- my opponent doing that. Doesn't she? Because one of the things that I do is actually when you kind of load in the penalty uh, sequence, I'll like shift slightly to one side, just slightly and move back. And then when uh lining up their pen- or when they're kind of considering a direction uh, which is comes a little bit later i'll also move slightly to one side and then back to the center to get them thinking that i'm going to move and just do it very subtly so they think they've spotted it you don't know they've spotted it sort of thing and then i'll stay in the middle 
I'm talking about shuffling. But you're talking about full on like moving around, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about people like using all the like happy clappy animations, mm, yeah, going yeah. side to side and like, which way am I gonna go? And, and you know, they're they're just eager on the sticks, you know? Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And I just read I think the advice that I would have given is what the question gave about, you know, watching out for what they want to try and do but that number generation tip is is a really interesting one it's something that i'm i'm definitely going to give a try because yeah removing that kind of tendency is a really good thing to do i think do you have any particular tips for like goalkeeper movement as well because i guess it's kind of a similar thing isn't it in a way do you how how do you kind of judge that or decide what you can do when people are basically in a good area like in a good position in the box Obviously, finesse shots is where, like, mostly you need to move the keeper. Mm. I I usually double tap triangle to try and get him to move faster. Like, you know, when you double tap triangle, he shifts to the side quicker. I didn't know that actually. So I do that. I do that when I want to move my keeper quickly when I can't move him with the stick. Mm. So I double tap a triangle, and he just quickly shifts to one side, and he makes a quick stop save if he has high ref- reflex stats. Is that to do with bringing the keeper out then in some ways? Like it moves them out? Oh, it doesn't move them out. It literally shifts them. I don't know if you've been in a situation where your your opponent is, you're running down the wing and you have a striker that's just peeling off your center backs. So when you're trying to make that cross, some people usually double chip triangle where they send their keeper fully out to try and claim that early cross. I don't know if you've been in that situation ever. That's interesting. I, I honestly did not know that was even a thing. So yeah. <laughs> obviously you can hold triangle to bring the keeper out. But you're saying the double tap just does something different, basically. Like a quick tap, like triangle, triangle. Wow. Quick tap, because if you hold it too long, it'll get a little, little yank about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you tap it quickly, you quickly get him to shift to the other side to try and make a save. Yeah, I thought double tap triangle was to send your keeper back when you started to charge them, but I have to give that a go. Or move him in the net. You could also like just take the right stick, move him back in the net. The closest to his line, I kid you not, mm. the closest to his line, he can make an easier save. The fact that he's in goal helps you sometimes for him to make save. Mm. Another question for you is this one about player body types. So Killingham was asking which your favorite areas of the pitch to have different body types which ones do you think offer an advantage are there any you'd look to avoid in specific situations uh, they seem to play a big role in what players consider valuable so i think the best example i could give in in that situation i mostly look at body type when it comes to defenders mm. like for example the van dyke type of build that's the type of build you want as a center back mm. and then you have Plays like Lacroix. Lacroix has amazing stats every year. Like he just got a new card recently, 91 pace and everything. But Lacroix's issue is that he's so skinny when you when you look at him, Eder Militao, the same thing. These guys are so skinny and like it feels like they're not there. They're fast and everything. That's cool. But the moment you get into that position and the guy is trying to, let's say, do a skill move into you, they always tend to lose those 50-50 battles, which is why you prefer a Van Dyke type of build who basically is unriggable, like they say. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Van Dyke has a unique one, but Lucio is a good example mm-hmm. because he actually yeah. has a generic body type, but it's just a, a big body type, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. But interestingly, Lacroix actually has the same body type as him. Um, really? But I think it might be the the difference in aggression potentially, which just makes him not so good in defensive stats, I guess, to some extent. Edin Militao is a really good example, though, because he has a lean body type and is clearly skinnier than someone like Lacroix or like uh, Lucio. Um, but it, I, I think you're absolutely right uh, from what I've heard from everyone who's you know, come on the podcast, that sort of how broad a player is or how wide a player is in defense is just really, really helpful. Would you extend that to your midfielders though as well? Because I think that's an area which is a bit more contested whether you should have a big midfielder or or not. With the German cross, you do need like players that are capable to head the ball. Mm. So it's always important to have, it depends on what you play because I, if you play four 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 two four three two one, um, four two three one, you do need two mobile midfielders. I think the game has evolved into you needing two midfielders who can actually move off the ball. I think the likes of Vieira are like are over for a midfield role in FIFA now these days. So I think you do need two capable midfielders who can move. Mm. Oh, they have to have decent agility, balance, and dribbling nowadays. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And Jake, what about you, body type-wise? Laurent Blanc is probably like my ideal body type. I don't know what those are, but he mm. just because of like the way he like moves or looks or whatever, he always seems to like far outperform his stats. Yeah, I think he's like pretty big, so he's probably he's probably in that six foot four like high average frame setup. So. That's probably yeah, yeah. what I what I look for. Um, Same as Lucio, yeah. Yeah, outside backs, I uh, like really, really like Cafu. Yeah, mm. I agree. Cafu is a baller, man. Do you have him on lengthy? Actually, is something I was going to ask. Uh, no, I have him on controlled. I don't know what his what his body type is, but he's he's just like awesome. Like he's awesome. Mm. Midfielders, it can depend. I mean, I, I will say I've grown like pretty fond of having Vieira at the moment, but he's kind of got spider legs. Oh, really? Well, once I once I asked Vieira to just be like a chill in the middle of the park and not do yeah. too much, uh, other than try to intercept passes, I was like, yeah, you're all right. Yeah. Other than that, I maybe I like the average body type too. Probably like I really enjoyed. The World Cup Schweinsteiger when I had him, and I also like adore uh, Bruno Guimaraes. Mm. Like yeah. he is so good, and I think both of those, I, I think both of them are average too. Yeah, we need a bit more time to do it, but I'd like to talk a bit more about body types and the terminology and how there's a bit of confusion around what is and isn't kind of physically imposing and uh, things like that. But we can go into that in the future. Uh, in terms of Lacroix, though, considering he isn't actually that different in terms of body type, to, well, he isn't different to Lucio, what do you think it is that makes him not so good? He feels a little, like for how good his stats are and how fast he is, he just feels like his brain is like a little bit AFK sometimes and he doesn't have the knack for like, I don't know, like he doesn't feel like a presence at the back for me. Mm. Exactly, which is why I mentioned them in the CB discussion. He's fast, he's good, Generally, he, he makes tackles, as he should. But he does like lack that awareness at the back. Whereas the, the OP players like Lucio, the Varane and stuff do have, he tends to forget his defensive duties at times. Yeah, he's actually, 
I mean, I, I should defend the, the pound for pound powerhouse nomination that I made on the content podcast this week because. I mean, because he's like 50k now, it is mad how good he is for the price. That is true. But at the same time, I think lacking just a bit of defensive awareness, because it's not maxed out. So many centre-backs now have maxed out defensive awareness. And Mm -hmm. the 88 aggression, he's not going to be quite as like, well, aggressive. Compare him to Diaz, who has that 99 aggression, 99 strength, I think it is. Yeah, stupidly good for the price, but maybe not quite there. Um, One player, a lot of people are loving and is extremely meta is that DRB. Oh, Have you used any of his versions, CJ? Because I've been menaced by him many times over the last week. I actually got him as a red pick. Ooh. I haven't tried him yet. I haven't tried him yet, though. Yeah, they yeah. told me that he's decent, especially I was watching, whose stream was it? I was watching some pro player stream and he was saying, I love this Diaby guy. And he was so hyped when he packed him mm. since he used him the whole weekend. So I'm pretty curious to see how he is. Yeah. He's he's tough to play against. Actually, the question about body type, it'd be interesting to move on to more attacking players. How does that work for you? Because when I played you, I noticed you had a lot of you know, very small, fast, nippy players, which is kind of what has been the meta for a while. Even though this year, it feels like you know your lengthy attackers do have some kind of extra, I guess, use this year. They are effective, but um, I guess maybe not at a pro level. When we played, I actually I had who did I have? I had Mbappe, Eusebio, Saint Maximin, and Alawera. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I don't really enjoy uh, Eusebio. Hmm. That's what I that, like. You think that people would enjoy him? That's foot birthday Eusebio, right? Yeah, that is foot birthday. I mean, Eusebio. I can say that I didn't enjoy him either playing against him. <laughs> <laughs> he was annoying to play against, but he was like seven million coins not so long ago. Yeah, I bought him for 10. I was so excited I bought him for 10. <laughs> I didn't even wait a week, but he's disappointing me massively. Yeah. Um, the thing is, like, he's not as quick. Like, we've come to a stage where pace just matters. It's just too important. If your guy's not over 95, 96, 97 pace, you feel the difference between that Mbappe, Alouéron, and like, Eusebio. Mm. That just matters, especially with the first time through ball meta, I feel. Yeah, it's a weird one with the football thing, Sabio, because he is 90 ball control and you can't really boost both pace and ball control with chemistry styles. In fact, you can't. So getting him to max pace and higher ball control, basically impossible. So I can see why that would be a bit awkward. Um, before we finish up, Jake, do you have any questions for CJ? Um, like a good question for the listeners would be like, which skill or mechanic do you wish you'd learned sooner? because you found it to be exponentially more beneficial than some of the others? Mm, that's a very, very good question. I have to think about this one. Could I quickly interject with something that you might say? Because maybe you've been using it for a long time, but you used a lot of player lock in the game we played. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seemed fairly effective. Was that something you picked up quite early? or um, The player lock is something I've been doing since the introduction oh, of okay. it. Oh, okay. Like 21? Is it 21? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that was when Playlock got introduced. Okay. So I, I've always been the type of person who used the player locks because I feel like my players don't run where I want them to run. Mm. We were complimenting the offensive AI when we, they were triggered just before, but <laughs> the offensive AI isn't as good as we were saying. That's why the player lock is a good fig- feature. The creative run as well is a good feature as well that allows you to position your players where you want them to be. For example, 
you trigger the the run, you create a random back post, you're countering, you want to send Ronaldo back post you, while you're running, you create a random back post. Those are mechanics that I feel are very underrated that certain casuals either don't know about or don't think think about. Mm. So if I was to recommend something, probably learn those two, the player logs and the creative run. Yeah. Those two, yeah. Yeah, sorry, slightly yeah, hijacked the question a little bit, but is there anything that you actually, as Japes is saying, like you didn't learn or pick up early um, and you feel like is a good thing for people to give a go? Probably the different exits you get on stepovers. Mm. For example, I learned like not too long ago the more you like wait before you exit a step over, you get a better animation, mm. which is something I did not know. I, I, I used to step over all the time, like step over exit in front of you. But the more you like step over and you wait for the right moment to exit, whether inside or outside, it gives you that better animation to then exit with the shot. That's what I learned that was pretty effective that I did not know, let's say. Two months, three months ago. Mm. Yeah, well, that was a good, yeah, a good tip. Uh, I guess there's probably plenty of tutorials out there if people want to kind of hone that skill. Um, yeah, step over is definitely, I don't know, for me, one of the more frustrating mechanics to play against. Well, they're just not used the way you would expect them to be used in real life. <laughs> like they're used for the speed boost. <laughs> yeah, it's like mad to think people in real life would be like, oh, let me just drop a step over here to accelerate faster. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> but anyway, uh, lots of still positive mechanics that uh, have been introduced that I'd encourage people to mess around with, like power shot and player lock is, is really good as well. And uh, we should probably wrap up on that. It's been great to have you on, King CJ. Uh, really interesting chat today. And yeah, best of luck with competitive FIFA. And thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, it's been great. And where can people catch you? I know you do stream and, and tweet and things like that. Um, KingCJO, double underscore on Twitch, Instagram, same thing, KingCJO, and Twitter as well, KingCJO, all mm -hmm. those. Nice. And thank you very much as well to Japes. It's been great to have you on. Yeah, of course. Uh, really enjoy this chat. You know, excited to maybe put some of those tips into play myself or perhaps I'll just end up focusing on all the things we talked about that we didn't love <laughs> while I'm playing FIFA yeah, instead yeah, and I'll occupy my, grains, my brain space, which only sends us in one direction. So uh, yeah. you know, we'll see. We'll have to tune in next week to see how that plays out for me. Hashtag bring back path to power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, perhaps not this year, but maybe new franchise, new path to power. Never know. Oh. And uh, if people would like more Japes content, he was on the content podcast this week, the supporter episode, and on last week's gameplay podcast, that supporter episode. In fact, you can go back and listen to past week's gameplay episodes from this entire cycle over on Patreon, as well as supporting the podcast. Uh, you'll get access to that 36,000 FIFA point giveaway that's going on for Team of the Season. And uh, there's loads more there too. You can head over to bit.ly slash TOTS23 in caps or just search support for weekly or follow the link in the description of this podcast. And if you are watching on YouTube, do drop a like, leave a comment and subscribe. It helps a lot. And if you're a supporter, then a huge, huge thank you for supporting for weekly, keeping it going, making it weekly, twice weekly for supporters. And a big thank you too to those icon patrons. Dave B, Hugh J, Coach Vass, DJ FIFA player, Alan G, Alistair, 
Anthony R, Dominic P, Rob P, Jeff B, Stephen F, Tom B, Damon H, David S, Nick Jack M, Eric T, Neil P, Adam G, Dan W, Waterman, N Hagman, Harry A, Jake G, Roger D, Springford, Elec, Bracco, Nishant, Harry P, Alex M, Lee A, Brendan W, Andrew C, Joe W, Timothy J, Dylan, J Kel, Ibis24, Adam R, Sam K, Graham W, Andy, Ads H2K, and Brian V. Plus a special thanks to Luke M, Dave B, Hugh J, Tom M, Darren W, and Pato Foot for advice and production assistance. Before I leave you, just one more thing to add, though. FIFA's a bit like life, really. It has its many ups and its many downs. If you're having a few more downs than ups in real life in these more difficult times, then please don't feel that you're alone or need to struggle on without taking action. If you go to thecalmzone.net, there's loads of resources, advice, support, or even just a friendly chat for anyone who needs it. If it sounds like it could help you, then head over to thecalmzone.net. And for now, have a good one, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.